I'm Angel, passionate birth worker and podcast host of the Birth Rebel Podcast. I'm bringing you a blend of heart, soul, and a bit of controversy. Join me on my podcast where I dive fearlessly into thought-provoking discussions about the most controversial topics in pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, and postpartum. I'm unmasking the truths. I'm challenging norms and sparking conversations that matter. Let's celebrate the beauty of the perinatal space while fearlessly confronting the tough questions together. Tune in for guest interviews from health professionals leading the charge into changing the perinatal space and my own expertise in diverse topics. All right, Birth Rebel, let's jump into it. Hello, everyone. It's your host, Angel Coleman, and welcome to the Birth Cafe podcast. I hope all of you are doing well, and I hope you guys were also able to listen to last week's episode where I talked to Laurel Wilson about the microbiome and breast milk and how that affects your baby's immune system and health long-term and short-term. I hope you guys were able to listen to that episode. Today, I really wanted to talk about some very hot topics. This is the Worth Cafe podcast where we definitely like to (laughs) touch on the hot topics and some of the controversial ones. And so I am going to talk about quite a few probably hot topics when it comes to mainstream birth work. And I have a lot of thoughts and opinions, but just remember, these are my thoughts and opinions and you guys are free to feel and believe whatever you would like. (laughs) This is not here to, like, I'm not here to convince you to believe exactly what I believe. Really, the point of this podcast is to present an idea based on either our experiences or based off of what evidence there is out there and just give you a different perspective and just a different angle of looking at those things. These are some topics that people may disagree on, but that's okay. I'm okay with other people having different opinions than me. And this is going to be the space to have different opinions. That's kind of the preface I wanted to just kind of go and introduce this topic with is that this is my opinion. This is based off of my experiences. And yeah, pretty much. What are some of the mainstream birth worker cultural ideas and ideals that I disagree with? The first one that I want to talk about is that I actually. I used to feel this way, but I don't feel this way anymore. I don't think that everyone needs a doula. And I see this posted on all kinds of doula pages. And I probably posted on mine at one point. But just through the experiences that I've had as a doula in the last four and a half, five years, I actually do not hold on to this value anymore. And part of the reason is because I I just don't think everyone needs a doula. I don't think everyone values the skill set of a doula, and I don't think the people who don't value or fully understand the skill set of a doula actually need the doula because they're not going to use her. They're not going to value 
what she can offer to the table. Some people kind of hop onto the doula trend because, you know, everyone is doing it. Like, you had a doula, they had a doula. Okay, I might as well get a doula too, just because everyone else is doing it. And they don't really fully utilize their doula to the full extent that they could. And it's not fair to the doula. It's not really fair to the parents that are hiring the doula either because you're spending, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on this professional that you're not going to fully utilize when you probably could just save money and, you know, (laughs) not actually have a doula. And then the doula, a lot of times, you know, us doulas come into this work, we're very passionate about what we we do and what we believe and things like that but if she's going into being a doula for someone and they don't value her that we that for her is that can be very difficult because you want to help this person but they don't exactly want your help they're just like we're just kind of doing this just because everyone else has one and you know things like that i've had people like not contact me never call me They don't follow up with text messages. They have their baby and they don't even tell me. (laughs) And this is like one of the one of the big things for me, too, is that I don't think that doulas really should offer their services for free because you're more likely to get someone who doesn't value your services if you're doing it for free. So I, I, I really don't think that everyone needs a doula. And then the other side of that is usually the people who don't value the skill set of a doula they usually are fine with going with the medical model of care like they want to follow that which is perfectly fine if that is what you want to do if you're choosing to hey whatever my doctor says that's what i want to do then to me do you really need a doula because a doula is there to inform you and to advocate for you and to educate you you may disagree with that and that's totally fine but I I I do find that it kind of wastes everyone's time when a doula is like putting a lot of her education and information into you or at least trying to or attempting to and the parents aren't really receptive because they're like you know no that's fine like it's fine like I just want to do whatever my doctor says and they don't really want to hear anything else besides that and I feel like that just really wastes a doula's time because you don't want to hear about all the information you just want to do whatever you are told which is fine you can do that so I don't think that everyone needs a doula I don't think that in order to have a positive birth you need a doula now having a doula does make the experience overall a more likely to be better than if you didn't have one but yeah having a doula and a good doula that can really just make the experience a lot better but you don't have to have one to have a good experience a lot of the times you can have especially like I have parents who like they feel like they can't afford it or They don't want to put the money towards getting a doula, but they would really like to be more informed. Just taking a class or even listening to podcasts like mine, Birthing Instincts is another favorite podcast that I love. But podcasts like those, you can learn a whole lot. 
a lot of Instagram doulas share a whole lot of information. So getting your information through that is another great way. You do have to go looking for it. So it's not as quick as like calling your doula and being like, hey, I need a resource on this, this and this, or I have a question about this, this and this. And her just being able to provide it for you, you do have to go looking for it. All right. Something else that I disagree with that mainstream birth workers, and when I talk about birth workers, I, I'm talking about like the whole spectrum. We're talking OBs, doulas, lactations, anybody who works with like pregnant women and postpartum women. That's kind of who I'm talking about. So I actually disagree with having insurance companies cover doulas like I think that's a like a very very bad idea (laughs) and here is a part of the reason why I think this is a really bad idea if anyone knows the history of midwifery when doctors were first coming out in midwifery there was a lot of like shaming and downplaying midwives so one of the things that was happening was that like OBGYNs were saying like midwives are dangerous like having an OBGYN is a lot safer because we have this medicalized training and and things like that there the medical community really kind of shut down midwives and just kind of downplayed their role in prenatal care and this still kind of happens a little bit like and in some instances where people really kind of downplay the skill sets of midwives, especially traditional midwives or midwives who decide to go through the certified professional or certified licensed midwives. Now, I think that it's a bad idea for doulas. One, because when we're talking about insurance companies, I feel like it's multifaceted, right? When we have insurance companies cover doulas, right, obviously that opens access for a lot of people to have a doula, which kind of goes back to my previous statement that people are going to get a doula because it's trendy and then they're not going to value the skill sets of a doula. And then we're going to have, you know, a lot of like wasting of people's time and schedules and things like that when the doula could have had someone who really does value the skill set of a doula instead of someone who just got one just because because it's there it's available right so that's kind of one of the angles that i'm coming from this also gives the healthcare system an ability to control doulas and they did this also with midwifery care when they started creating nurse midwives right when they started creating nurse midwives they created all of these different standards to legitimize them because they didn't feel that if they didn't go through this specific college and training that they were legitimate or safe. And so this does give the insurance companies an opportunity to control doulas. They can tell doulas, like, you have to go through this 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 and this training and if you go through any other training then we won't accept you and these specific trainings have to have these specific traits and cover this specific information in order for us to like accept it right which in the long run like if you think you're i mean 
not in the long run if you think about it you might be thinking like oh that's good like they're gonna have to have certain criteria and have certain education to be able to be insured be covered by insurance however that just means that the insurance companies are gonna take whatever company they feel goes along with whatever they feel is best right we know the healthcare model and the healthcare system is very very corrupt and I talk a lot about that with Dr. Sue and my episode about the bureaucracy of healthcare. We know that doulas are primarily there to bring to light the or and to prevent mistreatment of women during birth. That's really what doulas do, where we bring to light that a woman has patient rights. And not all doula organizations promote advocacy as a scope of practice of a doula. A lot of the organizations don't encourage doulas to kind of speak up on behalf of their client. Now that's different. Speaking up and speaking for someone is very, very, very different. Speaking for someone is just saying like, what I say is what she's going to do. Like, no, she doesn't don't give her that she doesn't want that no 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 no. that's speaking for someone speaking up for someone is like hey she said that she didn't want the specific thing do you just want to check in with her to make sure that's okay or can you she's in the middle of a contraction right now do you mind just waiting a second before you know asking her all these questions or seeing the doctor put an iv oh she didn't know that you were going to put an IV. Do you want to talk to her about an IV and why you think that's best for her? Okay, so that's speaking up for someone, especially when pregnant women are in such a vulnerable state, is needed. That should be a part of a, a doula scope of practice because part of our job is to make sure that our patients aren't taken advantage of and that they're fully informed about what's going on. And if I don't say any, if I notice they're doing something and I don't say anything, then I feel like I'm doing a disadvantage to the mom. And there are a lot of doula organizations that are like, no, advocacy, just try to do as much education as possible and things like that. So that's kind of my hesitation with insurance companies because they're going to pick specific organizations that kind of don't advocate. (laughs) And that's part of like their scope of practice. And it's already being done. Like some of the organizations that the the insurance companies have chosen are organizations that don't really promote a lot of advocacy with their clients. And then this also gives the doctors who don't, who either don't like doulas or if they feel some kind of way about a doula speaking up on, you know, speaking up for her client. If a doctor doesn't like that, the doctor can report that doula to the insurance companies. And her certification could get revoked or she could lose her ability to have insurance coverage or have her services covered under insurances. But that's a huge problem. Then we ha- then we're kind of stuck because now the doula has to be even more afraid to make sure that that patient is fully informed during her labor if she's giving birth at a hospital because right now home birth is not covered under most insurances so a doula has to be like very aware like oh my goodness if I say the wrong thing and a doctor or a nurse doesn't like it 
they can report me to an insurance company and then I won't be able to be able to accept insurances for my services. Even though that's primarily what our our role is. Another huge part of our role is as doulas is being able to make sure our patients are informed and that they're not taking advantage of on top of like education and on top of, you know, helping them have those comfort measures during labor and things like that. So insurance companies, I really, I think that's just going to give the healthcare system more control over doulas. And not only that, the insurances that do cover doulas underpay the doulas significantly significantly underpay the doulas. This also creates a challenge for doulas who don't want to do insurances, but will almost feel forced to do it because parents are going to want not want to pay out of pocket for a doula. They're more likely to accept a doula that accepts insurance than a doula that doesn't. So if a doula wants to be paid her worth, she can set those payments. I mean, if you're a parent and you had the choice of not paying out of pocket versus paying out of pocket and hundreds of thousands of dollars, you're going to probably pick a doula that accepts insurance, which is kind of leaves these doulas who do want to be paid a fair amount of money at a disadvantage. And not only that, I think that this is going to lead to more burnout among doulas. Doulas have a high turnover rate about of about two years. This will give more people the opportunity to ha- have a doula, but having a, being a doula is very taxing work, very hard work, emotionally and mentally taxing work. And a lot of these doula training organizations don't really cover how to prevent burnout as a doula. They don't cover how to have a business as a doula. And so a lot of these doulas are ending up burnt out and overwhelmed because they don't know how to manage all of the inquiries or when something traumatic happens, how do we deal with that, things like that. If you do want an organization that I fully support and does cover topics like this, I actually encourage you to check out the if you are a doula or even just a birth worker in general. She covers a lot of these kind of topics, but also her school birth worker academy. She goes super deep into having a business, having backups, and how to manage the back ends of your business. And it's it's very deep, very detailed information that can really help you avoid burnout as a doula which is really, really important. So that is why I think having and like having insurance companies cover doulas, that's a horrible idea. It's just not something that I'm going to be supporting, although there are a lot of people who do push it. And it probably will succeed because this does give the healthcare system the ability to control doulas to a certain point. And it's the exact same thing that they did with the, the midwives, actually. I believe that advocacy should be a part of doula's scope of practice. And this kind of goes into when I was talking about the insurance companies, but not every doula organization supports speaking up for a client, not speaking for the client, speaking up. And just like I mentioned, 
I believe that it is our job to be advocates of birth and birthright, right? That's kind of what some people even view doulas as, is someone who is an advocate for birth. And I'll see that I've seen on Instagram and all the doula groups, you know, a doula is not an advocate or I'll see advocacy is part of being a doula. And so obviously I range on the no. Doulas should be advocates in the birth space. So the free dictionary defines advocate as there's a couple definitions. So to speak, plead, or argue in favor of, or one that argues for a cause, a supporter or defender, one that pleads in another behalf, an intercessor. It has number three is lawyer. <laughs> We're not lawyers, but sure. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to even bring up is patient advocate, because I do feel like doulas fall under the umbrella of being a patient just even Googling patient advocacy. So according to Wikipedia, patient advocacy is a process in healthcare concerned with advocacy for patients, survivors, and caregivers. The patient advocate may be an individual or organization concerned with healthcare standards or with one specific group of disorders. Although pregnancy isn't a disorder, it's not just disorders. According to cancer.gov, a patient advocate helps patients communicate with their healthcare provider so that they can get the information they need to make decisions about their healthcare. Patient advocates may also help patients set up appointments for doctor's visits and medical tests and get financial, legal, and social support. Yeah, no, that's pretty much what doulas do. <laughs> Here's another description. So patient advocacy is when an individual such as a nurse speaks, speaks acts, or behaves in the way that benefits their patient who may not be able to support, promote their own needs or interests. And I can say that pregnant women, they're in a vulnerable state, very, very emotionally and mental vulnerable state. Now, this doesn't mean that they can't speak for themselves, but it does make them very susceptible to coercion and manipulation during their labor and delivery. University Hospital here says that advocates can help with various issues, including communication, policies and procedures, quality of care, safety loss items, etc. Doulas do all of those things. Like we make sure that our patients are informed. We help with communication between their providers, make sure that they have all of the information. We know the policies and procedures of a lot of the different hospitals. We can answer questions on like quality of care, things like that. The difference is that we're not employed by a hospital. Like a lot of hospitals do hire their own patient care advocates, but doulas aren't hired by the hospital. So they're not going to act in the interest of the hospital. They're going to act in the interest of the client themselves. And this is also why I disagree with having doula, like like hospitals who have their own doula program, because those doulas are going to be trained in supporting the hospital. Yes, supporting the patient, but they're going to have more limitations on their ability to advocate for those patients and those clients because in, in the end, they are an employee of that hospital and they have to act in the best interest of the hospital at the end of the day. I don't support 
doula programs in the hospital. Terrible idea. Because it's just going to defeat the purpose of what doulas actually do and what they are supposed to do. Hot topics. I know, I know, I know. So I'm really curious as to what you guys think about some of these topics. Before moving on, I also just wanted to talk a little bit deeper about speaking up for someone, especially when we're talking about the roles of a doula. And I'm actually going to link a article from Better Up about, and it says, speaking up for yourself is important, 11 steps to get it right. And it just brings out a lot of good points when we're talking about speaking up for someone. So they talk about how speaking up is when you communicate publicly, assertively, and honestly for the rights and needs of yourself and others. It is the root of all social change, including within organizations. So when we're talking about doulas, one of the reasons why doulas even came on the scene, and the especially in the hospital space, was because women were being mistreated in labor, right? That's part of the reason why doulas started coming on the scene when we're talking about hospital births. And it also, in this article, it talks about, like, you know, when should you speak up, right? Because that's really important. And they talk about six times that you should always speak up. So you should speak up when you notice someone is upset, when something ago- something goes against the, wor- the rules of workplace, okay, when it sets a dangerous precedent, okay, so especially being in the healthcare field, right, and I- I've witnessed this as a doula where we're using coercion and trying to push someone to do something that they may not feel is right to do or feel like they want to do, and we know that if if the patient isn't they need to be fully informed on their rights right and we know that everything has a risk factor so when the doctors aren't educating on those risk factors right that is not fair to the patient okay and it's considered unethical and possibly dangerous because maybe if that person did know all the risks involved with the procedure they may choose a different path instead of going with the very biased information that they were given. Okay. Also, it talks about speaking up when no one else does, when the little inner voice says to speak up. There have been times where I feel as a doula, especially in the earlier days where I have had seen something where I feel like I should have said something. And like one of the times, but like I was afraid to say something (laughs) because it's like, I don't want to get kicked out of a, out of the hospital and wait, I can't really speak for my pay, my client. So what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know. And then as I've kind of grown as a doula, I have definitely started to not be afraid to speak up and, you know, speak on behalf of my clients when needed and in the appropriate and respectful way. But I re- even remember this one time I had this mom who I was I was really actually trying to advocate for this mom throughout her labor. And, you know, we did great with that. And she went with whatever she wanted for her, her baby during her labor. But it was the postpartum that they just kind of ignored 
us completely. One of those times that it happened was when a doctor was pulling on her placenta and she didn't want that. And I said, she didn't want anyone to pull on her placenta. And he's just like, "Mm -hmm, okay. And he continued to pull on the placenta. And I looked at her and she looked at me and I'm like, yeah, she didn't want to, she didn't want you to pull on it. And so he let go for a second and then he went back to doing it. And I just looked at her and she looked at me. And honestly, I could have used that opportunity to be like, hey, didn't you say you didn't want him to do that? Or just even repeating what she wanted. And that could have given her the voice to even say something as well or even dad. So I think that is really should be included in the scope of practice of a doula and any organization that doesn't include that i just feel like they're doing a disservice to the doula role and then i have one more thing that i'm going to talk about and that is i think that doula should be in the category of body workers doulas do a lot of hands-on work and so there are it's really interesting because we could be, and this goes for lactation can, lactation professionals who aren't IBCLCs, right? So I'm going to actually kind of make this a catch-all and say doulas and other lactation professionals. We can be limited in some of our training or our ability to do certain training because we aren't, we don't have a license to touch patients. And a lot of times when other lactation professionals are declined to participate in lactation programs that are that you know IBCLCs are heading they are usually restricted in their ability to do certain parts of the training or even attend the training at all because some of them say oh well you don't have the license to touch you don't have the scope to touch i would love and I've looked at the code of ethics and also the scope of practice of IBCLCs and other lactation professionals. And I don't think that there is something specific that says that they have the license to touch patients, but I think it's just overall accepted that that is something that they can do. Doulas as well don't have the license to, or at least within their scope of practice, something specifically that says the scope to touch however we are well known for our hands-on techniques using things like some of the spinning baby techniques some rebozo techniques which are all like hands-on as well as like things like hand massage back massage um, acupressure and things like that so I think that this, I I think that either doula should have more training in these areas or it should be included in our scope of practice so that we would be able to get more training in these areas. One of the training organizations that don't allow doulas is, and this is not to hate on spinning babies because they're amazing, but you in order to become like an aware practitioner, so to be able to do more with the spinning babies, you have to be a body worker. 
or a traditional body worker, midwife, OBGYN, or nurse. But doulas are not allowed because they say that we don't have that scope of practice and license to touch. Honestly, even when I look up the information about licensing to touch, the only one that specifically has the license to touch written in the scope of practice, and even when we're talking about the laws, is really massage therapists. If you guys have more information on that, just let me know if you can give me more information on license, being licensed to touch, because the amount of information that I got really had to do with some of the state guidelines, and usually it is in relation to massage therapy. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I guess it's not something that I disagree on, just something that... I find very interesting, and that is a little bit controversial. Interestingly, I, even like Reiki and Alexander techniques and things like that, you don't need to be a licensed mas- massage therapist, and the license to touch really is only about massage therapists. So, I don't know. Very, 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 very interesting. I don't know. If anyone does have more information about that, just let me know. The podcast will now have the option to get responses from you guys from my audience so that you guys can submit questions or submit your thoughts about each episode so I'm gonna have that option for this episode so that you guys can tell me what you think what do you think about everything I said do you disagree with anything do you agree do you have anything more to add do you have resources about any other things so I'm really curious so let me know that is today's episode so I hope you found it interesting it gave you a different perspective about things. And if you guys want other topics that you want me to discuss, feel free to submit a podcast topic. And you can actually go on my website, fruitofthewombbirth.com. That's only one B. Fruitofthewombbirth.com forward slash the birth cafe podcast. And you guys can submit a topic request. All right. Well, that's it for now. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, but remember, our journey together is far from its conclusion. Ensure you tap that notification bell to stay in the loop about upcoming episodes. Don't forget the valuable resources waiting for you in the podcast description. Also, do you love this podcast? Show your love by leaving a stellar five-star review spreading the word across your social circles, or even becoming a listener supporter, contributing financially to sustain this podcast's existence. If a specific topic tickles your fancy or you aspire to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to submit your ideas via the link in the podcast description. And to all you incredible women who are expecting or planning to conceive, I'm well aware that fears around childbirth can be overwhelming. From concerns about hospital procedures to coping mechanisms during labor, I've got your back. What's even better is that you can now access your free guide on mastering five techniques to conquer the fear of birth. As a bonus, discover a collection of mindfulness tools curated to quell anxiety and fear during pregnancy and childbirth. The guide's link awaits you in the podcast description. Live long, loud, and in prosperity, dear members of the Rebel Birth Crew. Until we cross paths again, thrive unapologetically.